You are listening to the Choose Your Struggle Podcast, a member of the Shameless Podcast Network. This week on the Choose Your Struggle Podcast, it's therapist, author, and the founder of Peer Collective, Tim Desmond. But first, Kid Metal, let's go. Things ain't always gonna go our way, but you can always win when you choose your struggle. And some battles will be yesterday, but today is for a new weekend. Choose your struggle, and don't worry about what they say, but you can always win when you choose your struggle. And you can bounce back, just as you come on and listen in to just struggle. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Choose Your Struggle podcast. So great to be here with you all as always. Before we start this week's episode, I have to give a shout out to a new Patreon supporter. As you all know, uh, that is a thing that I love doing. Lisa Howell, thank you so much for jumping in at the second tier. That's awesome. Uh, Her care package went out today as I'm recording this. And what's so amazing is that Lisa told me that she jumped on because she started binging the show and she said, I just, you know, fell in love with it. I think it's amazing. Uh, And and, uh, as a person in recovery herself, she gave me some ideas on on. Uh, topics that I haven't really covered, and that's awesome. So uh, thank you so much, Lisa. I, I really appreciate that. Thank you for being a part of the Choose Your Struggle family. Now, I am knocking out four shows in the next couple of days. I'm doing that because uh, this week is a short week for me. I'm off uh, doing a long weekend with Lauren this weekend uh, to close out some birthday fun. Um, I <laughs> So I planned... Uh, my my birthday, uh, what we did on my actual birthday in that week. Um, and she said, I want to do something fun for you, which is very sweet of her. And so she planned this whole weekend. Uh, we're taking off Thursday night. So I'm very excited for that. But also next week, I am out of town all week at a conference at uh, a, a very large uh, podcast conference called Podcast Movement. Uh, very excited. Shout out to Jen Trepic of Salad with a Side of Fries and the captain, Imran Ahmed of, of um, Great Pods. Uh, going to be going with both of them to this conference. And uh, obviously with like thousands of other people, this is this is a big deal. I'm very excited to be going. Uh, I, I am not speaking this one. I'm going just to observe and to learn. However, I was invited to do one uh, kind of not roundtable. That's not a way to put it but but sort of featuring my show um so that'll be that'll be great I'm, I'm very excited about that uh but because of that it means that I am working very hard this week to knock off uh, the next four episodes uh because I won't have next week to work on it so uh I'll say this again with next week's intro but if you hear something <laughs> like if I'm not talking about something that's happened since well this is why so today's episode is uh, really a, a guy that I reached out to because I was so blown away by the, the idea. Um, and the, the idea was something called Peer Collective. And I would recommend right off the bat that everybody uh, go check out Peer Collective, every single person, because here is the general premise. It's very hard to find a therapist. Yes, it is. Uh, quick aside on that. Um, 
I really appreciate people who've been reaching out to tell me, here's a therapist you should try. I've got some leads. Uh, but the thing is, because I'm trying to prove a point here, I am not yet ready to not use my insurance for this. They're supposed to take insurance. Uh, the insurance industry is supposed to cover this. Both sides kind of balk at that. Tough. Uh, it is literally the law, and I am going to keep pushing for this because I have the privilege of being able to do that, and most people do not. So I am not yet ready to not uh, to just give in and, and, and pay out of pocket. That's not how this is supposed to work. Uh, all of that, you know, keep that in mind with when you listen to this episode with Tim Desmond of Peer Collective. He is a is a trained therapist himself and said, you know, this industry is kind of broken. Here's my idea to fix it. We're going to focus on people high in empathy and train them to simply be peers for people because a lot of what people go to therapy for is not something you actually need a therapist for, right? Imagine if every doctor was a, a cardiologist and we went to them for the sniffles, right? I mean, that would be ridiculous. Unfortunately, that's where we are with therapy. And uh, because of that, a recent estimate said that um, if if nothing changes, we would need roughly 90% more therapists to cover everyone who needs mental health help. And that's a major reason why most people don't get the help they need is that we don't have enough people. Uh, we've been we've been sort of conditioned to think we only go to therapy when or, or we go to the, you know these these classically trained expensive therapists for everything and in reality you know mental health coaches peers uh, like like peer in, from peer collective can do a lot of this work so uh, I really was blown away when I read about this and I immediately reached out to Tim and said I'd love to meet you and learn more we had a great virtual cup of coffee he blew me away with his uh, knowledge and experience and I said I got to get you on the show. So uh, really excited for y'all to hear this. I've been telling everybody about Tim, uh, connected him to a couple other people already. I've been telling people to check out Peer Collective. And here's the thing. I did it myself. I wanted to be able to talk about this. So I signed up for a session. The first one was free. Um, and I kind of went in. I didn't really have anything to talk about. And I told the person right off the bat, this is why I'm doing this. I interviewed Tim. And she said, that's cool. You know, let me tell you a little bit about it. Was so welcoming, was so supportive. Uh, and and I would definitely see her again. Um, you know, it was it, it, it's not uh, expensive. Uh, the people do not make you feel like this is a one sided thing. They're there to, to sit with you there. It, it really feels more like a friend. Um, so I'm so impressed by what Tim is doing. I think this can really help change the game when it comes to mental health. And, and I would seriously recommend everybody check out Peer Collective. Uh, it, as Tim says, the first session is free. You really have nothing to lose to try it out um so you know enjoy this episode and, and don't be afraid to check it out it, it was so easy and so welcoming i cannot say that enough all right well enjoy this conversation with tim desmond a quick shout out to my patreon supporters i am so grateful for your support and your love Y'all have been with me since almost the beginning, and so much of this podcast could not be done without you. Almost to a person, they've all told me that they didn't join for the perks, although there are some pretty fantastic perks, but they've all joined just to support the show, and it really means so much to me. Now, if you join, you are going to get some stuff in return. You'll get sneak peeks, extra content, and the chance to interact with me on a second level. It's really a great way to show support if you love this show. So 
Go ahead and check it out today. Go to patreon.com slash choose your struggle. The lowest tier is only $3.40 a month. And there's multiple tiers after that. There's something for everybody. So truly, I truly mean this. Thank you to all of my Patreon supporters. And if you've been waiting to sign up, well, now's a great time. So head on over to Patreon and show a little bit of love. Choose your struggle. Thanks for sharing the podcast with your friends. If you're listening on Apple, please rate and review or check out the review link in the show notes. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Tim Desmond. I'm a, a faculty scholar in counseling psychology at Antioch University, New England. Um, I've written a few books, including uh, Self-Compassion in Psychotherapy and How to Stay Human in a Fucked Up World. I've been um, a student of Zen master Thich Nhat Hanh for about 20 years uh, most of what I do is in the mental health world, uh, training therapists and sort of writing about psychotherapy. I ran a small uh, program at Google for about a year uh, doing research into peer counseling. And then when I left, I started Peer Collective, which is a new company that aims to radically improve access to mental health support through online peer counseling. Basically, the idea is we've developed a way to, to find people who are exceptional in empathy and compassion, to put them in one place and to make them really easily accessible to people who need mental health support. So that's kind of who I am and, and, um, and what I'm doing right now. For the listeners, I reached out to Tim because I was sitting on an airplane uh, flying to Cincinnati for my TED Talk, and I'm reading Psycho, I think it was Psycho Analyst or Psycho something magazine, yeah. and I'm reading this article about Peer Collective, and I swear my seatmate must have thought that I was nuts because I was going, oh my God, holy shit, as I'm reading this, I was so like blown away by this program. And I immediately, I landed, I tore, I tore the page out and I immediately reached out. I was like, hey, we should chat because I want to learn more. And so here we are. I, 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 I This happens a lot, uh, Tim, where, where I'm just so excited about a program or, or a person's work that I'm like, I have to learn more. Uh, and, you know, when you and I connected, not only did you do nothing to damper my excitement, but you definitely raised it. So I'm very, very excited to have you here today. But nobody just does this work, right? You don't just wake up one morning and go, I think this is what I'm going to focus on. So, you know, yeah. clearly there is a personal story there. So, so yeah. let's, uh, let's hear that personal story. Yeah. So yeah, I, I grew up in Boston. Um, I grew up with a single alcoholic mom. Um, we were homeless for a while when I was a teenager. Um, actually she was, she started AA when I was about eight years old. So I grew up kind of being dragged to AA meetings and having that be a part of my life. Um, by the time I finished high school and um, I ended up in college on a sports scholarship, I really didn't like my grades were awful and I probably wouldn't have been able to go to college otherwise. But by the time I got to college, I was just like, I did not have a lot of social skills. I was just like a really kind of angry, lonely person. And 
It was actually in a political science class that I learned about Thich Nhat Hanh and mindfulness and um, Buddhist meditation. And when I learned about sort of practices of mindfulness and compassion, what I saw was like, that's exactly what's missing in my life. And as a lot of 19 year olds do when they find something that kind of makes sense to them, I just, I quit everything else and like focus just on that. Like, I'm just like, oh, this is what I'm about right now. And I spent my whole twenties basically going back and forth. I would get involved in like grassroots political organizing. And then in between like big demonstrations, I would spend months at a time on meditation retreat with Thich Nhat Hanh. And so my whole focus was just really on kind of healing myself from my own trauma and kind of uh, anxiety and anger and all that kind of stuff. And then at some point I'm like, well, I need to figure out how to make, you know, uh, some type of a job and make money. Um, and so getting into the mental health world felt like the closest thing to being able to just be able to have a job that was just about um, being focused on my meditation practice and on the, what was really interesting for me. So I went to grad school in um, clinical psychology and the whole, this, this whole time, it's just been about trying to share with people what I've found to be transformative in my own life. And really what that comes down to, and this is like, so my teacher, Thich Nhat Hanh, the way that he'll talk about it is basically that the antidote for our suffering, for our pain, and that's sort of like at the root of every mental health and addiction kind of uh, issue is like this pain that we have that we're trying to cope with. And that compassion, he'll say like the energy of compassion is, the, is like the antidote for our suffering. And that we can learn how to develop that compassion in ourselves, or we can go to people who have compassion to give. And so in many ways, like when I teach people meditation, I'm teaching people how to develop that in themselves. And in something like Peer Collective, I'm trying to help people be like, hey, if there are people that are good at this, there are people that have a lot of compassion to offer. And it's the same process, whether it's coming from you or coming from another person. It's like the transformative people, the, the transformative piece is being able to, to bring our pain and to have it received with compassion. And understand it. Very beautifully said. I mean, you know, uh, something that that we talk about a lot in, in in this space, and I talk about a lot in this podcast, is that it's very clear early, or or, or, or at least to me, and to I think a lot of the listeners, when someone's doing this for the right reasons, and when someone's doing it for the wrong reasons, you know, yeah. I, I, you know. Yes, it, there is definitely a sense of, you know, when I was 19, I kind of threw myself into this hippie lifestyle and all that kind of stuff, too. But yeah. there is a difference between that attitude and now here, you know, you are a couple decades later truly living this and, and, and you very clearly, truly care about this work, right? I mean, yeah. this is something you don't clock out. There is no there is no nine to five for Tim. Yeah. I mean, I think that's like, I think the, the two things that I've been really focused on in my life are like grassroots kind of social change. You know, I was like, well, I was one of the organizers at Occupy Wall Street. I, you know, I've been doing this like back since to the World Trade Organization kind of demonstrations. 
Um, so, so really trying to, to create like a more just world, um, has been a huge focus for me in my life. And then try and, and, and a big part of like the reason that anybody gets involved in that kind of stuff is that they, they see all the pain in the world and they want it to, they want to try to create a world with less pain. Right. And so it's the same process, whether you're trying to do ch structural changes or like mental health and kind of internal changes it's still just like seeing the all of the pain in the world and wanting to, to do something about it so now you you have kind of walked a couple of different i don't want to say it's a couple different paths because you've been on sort of the same journey but 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 different maybe different avenues of the same path right i mean you 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 you've also got your sort of traditional education along this, yeah. this path as well yeah, yeah. I mean, well, and and like diving into clinical psychology research, what I found is is like if you can if you can sift through the bullshit. So so much clinical psychology research is is performed by people that have a really vested interest. They're actually they're trying to sell something, right? Like if I was someone who tried to develop a new type of therapy. And what I was really interested in doing is selling trainings and certificates in that performing that type of therapy Then I would set up trials. And this is what like probably like 80 or 90% of trials in psychotherapy are doing. I'm just trying to, it's more fun. It's like marketing. I'm just trying to say that my type of therapy is better than what's out there. And you set up the trial. It's rigged so that you know that it's going to come out a certain way. If you can sift through that and you can see, and you like, don't look at trials that are set up in biased ways by people who have a vested interest in one group winning. Um, and you dig into the actual outcome data, one of the things you find is that any bona fide type of counseling, treatment, anything, they're just about as good as any other type. But different providers are radically different in terms of their level of effectiveness. And when you try to look at what makes a, one provider more effective than another, what it comes down to are warmth, empathy, alliance, all these things that, that people like Thich Nhat Hanh would just call compassion. Like it's basically, it's like who you are, where is your heart? Can you actually put yourself in the other person's situation? Can you identify with somebody? And can you do that in a way that's like grounded and open? And so, so for me, it ends up coming back to that same idea. It's like what we're, what we're looking for is people who have these qualities. It's like to, to create a real human connection. And that's what we want to do at Peer Collective. And this is something that you and I kind of really vibed on when we first were talking was that, yes, uh, you know, there is, of course, a giant shortage of, of therapists, people doing this work, right? Of course yeah. there is. But, but one thing that that you really kind of were were so expertly explaining i i thought was that more than there being a shortage shortage of therapists there's a shortage of shortage of good therapists like that's the thing that the people don't focus on yeah. is that you know anyone who studies hard can and, and does the work can become a therapist but yeah. if you are not an empathetic person are you really going to be making a difference and that is a wonderful point yeah so the um I've, I've spent so much time trying like do like working with licensed therapists and training them and i know that 
so many of the people who go into the mental health field, they care a lot. They're good people. Um, but I would say that like probably half of the people who are licensed therapists, well, I, like I think the average licensed therapist is not more emotionally intelligent than the average person that you meet. And the issue is like being able to create real human connection with people. Um, like the top like 10 or 20% of therapists, if you can get someone who's great, then that's fantastic, right? There are therapists, psychologists out there who are fantastic. Um, the problem is that the average therapist is basically just about average at being able to, to create the type of connection that really matters. It doesn't mean that they're worthless. And what the research shows is that people at the top end of therapists, they're able to help about 75% of the people that come to them. 75% make meaningful progress. On the low end, the bottom 20%, they only help about 25% of the people that come to see them. So it's not nobody, but it's not enough. And really it's based in what I view as like a wrong way of thinking, which is that academic, like they view academic training and like academic work as being more important than human connection. And that for me is just backwards. That that's not really what drives improvement. It's like we need to be like prioritizing people who are exceptional at human connection. And then you can teach them the academic pieces, but it's actually, if you're already good at that, there's not that much that you really need to learn that's academic. I mean, there's some, but you can teach that pretty fast if somebody's already talented at the connection piece. Yeah, you know, I think I, I really appreciate that your, your point that, that we're putting, it's not that there shouldn't be education. That's not sure. the point at all. But yeah. why are we putting so much of an emphasis on that, especially yeah. as if you've been out of school for 10 years, a lot of what you've learned is already debunked. I mean, it, it's this is changing so rapidly. That yeah. is, why are we not putting more emphasis on being an empathetic person, a person who can actually enable good connection? That is a wonderful point and one that we do not hear enough from around this, this space. So when was it that you decided, you know what, I think I have an answer to this? So I, I wrote my first book in 2015. It's called Self-Compassion and Psychotherapy. And it's a psychotherapy textbook about how to help therapists help. It's about helping therapists to help their clients develop more compassion for themselves. And a, a colleague of mine who's a neuroscientist, and we talk about a lot of this stuff. He So he, he said, hey, do you think if every therapist in the country read your book, do you think that the field would be more effective? And now I'm aware, and he knew this, I'm aware that there's a ton of research that shows when you train a therapist, when you provide advanced training, their outcomes almost never change. Like all of the continuing education, like if you, can, you send somebody to a two-year like intensive training program in whatever type of modality or whatever, if you look at their actual outcomes with their clients before and after that training, it, it almost never is any different. And so the question was like, so he's like, so you just wrote a, a book for therapists. Do you think it's actually going to help anybody? And 
I had to be like, no, probably not. Like some people are gonna like the book, right? And it's gonna help some people change. But at scale, if everybody read this book, I don't think it would actually make a dent in what's happening. And so then he was just like, well, then what are you doing? Like, why are you putting your energy here? Like, what do you think it would actually take? So we started talking. I started talking to a lot of kind of like the, the sort of um, experts that I really look up, look up to. Um, there's someone named Bruce Wampold, who's, who's part of Peer Collective now. He's this uh, kind of like um, amazing kind of, you know, researcher who had, who's one of the people who really showed kind of mathematically, kind of like, like looking at all of the outcome data in psychotherapy and showing how what really matters are the personal qualities. We started talking about it. And basically it's like, you know, if you could just open your phone and connect with a highly compassionate person right in your moment of need, if it was either free or so low cost that it wasn't going to slow you down, um, then that would actually impact the field. So for me, it's like what I want to see five years from now is everybody in the world, right in your moment of need, right in the moment that you're suffering, just feeling like I can talk to a really compassionate, really empathetic person whenever I need to. I don't, like some people have great friends and family. If you're lucky enough to have great friends and family that you can call on anytime you need it, then that's fantastic for you. And that's what you should do. Most people don't have that. And this is for, for people who, um, yeah, who, who need that and want it to be available. So I love that, that, that point, because as, as my listeners know, whenever I'm interviewed on other platforms, one of the things I always say is, you know, if you truly believe there's nobody in your life who, who will be there for you, reach out and I'll, and I'll be there, right? Because, yeah. you know, those of us who do this work have a saying, which is we'd rather spend two hours listening to you today than two hours at your funeral tomorrow. And what you're trying to do is provide a network of people like me saying, yeah. I will be there for you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing. It's like, you know, sometimes people have good friends and like have, have friends and family that have these skills. You know, it's interesting. So Wampel actually was talking with me about this. You, um, and he's like, uh, the strength of your social support, right? The, thing, so the, the, the strength of your support network, your friends and family network. One of the great things, or sort of like a fan, uh, I, get, I would say a fascinating thing about research is that it's protective against mental health struggles, but it doesn't actually help people recover. So this is a th this idea is that um, if you have a strong friends and family support network, it's um, it's less likely that you'll go into a major depression or a ma major anxiety episode or that type of thing. But once you're in a major depressive or anxiety or something like that episode, you're it having a lot of friends and family doesn't actually predict your ability to recover. And why is that? And what one point was saying is that most people have the skill set to connect with someone when they're doing well. So if you're okay, you call your friends and family and they keep you feeling okay. But if you're feeling down, if you're feeling like, like, like if you're in a really bad place, very few people, it's a rare skill set to be able to connect with someone deeply 
who's in a dark place. And that's one of the reasons that like in the, in the research, it's like, now some people do have a friends and families uh, group that can do that, but it's rare. And so that's the reason that having somebody that, that finding the people who do have that skill set and putting them in one place really matters because yeah, for a lot of us, it's like, you can call your siblings, you can call your friends when you're feeling okay. Or maybe when you're like having a little bit of a struggle, but if it's like, you know, I haven't been able to get out of bed for three days. A lot of times our friends don't really know what to say at that point. So before we get into what Pure Collective literally looks like, let's pause. Sure. And if you'll shout out where people can find you online, like where they can find Pure Collective, all that kind of sure. stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could just uh, anybody who goes to purecollective.com, um, you can uh, answer a couple of quick questions about yourself, a couple of quick questions about the type of person that you feel like would be likely to be able to help you. Um, look at profiles of the peer counselors that we have live and um, and then you can talk to, you can try out the, the service for free. Um, if you want to learn kind of more about me, I, I have a sort of timdesmond.net, but you can just Google Tim Desmond and you can find like books and talks and things like that that I've given um, if you, if you want to learn more about that, but, but, um, yeah, every, uh, for now, everybody who signs up creates a new account for Peer Collective. You can try it for free. The Choose Your Struggle podcast has been so lucky to have numerous truly change-making authors on this show. From Adi Jaffe to Emily Dufton, we have been blessed by hearing them speak, and now it's time to grab their works. Now, you could go to Amazon if you wanted to shop online, but let's be honest, that's not the right choice. So I'm going to invite you to head over to my partner, Bookshop. If you go to bookshop.org slash shop slash CYS, again, that's bookshop.org slash shop slash CYS, you're going to find all of your favorite books and you're going to support the podcast in the process. But that's not even the best part. Bookshop has an incredible program that allows you to select your favorite mom and pop or neighborhood bookstore, and they will give them some of the proceeds from your order. Now, living here in Philly, that's been a really hard choice because we have fantastic bookstores all over, but I selected Harriet's, which is a truly wonderful black-owned bookstore in Northern Philly. I love it. My wife loves it. We go there as much as we can. Honestly, why would you go anywhere else? So again, go check out Bookshop at bookshop.org slash shop slash CYS. You're going to find the book you're looking for. You're going to support your neighborhood bookstore, and you're going to support the podcast in the process. So check it out today and go ahead and buy that book you've been waiting for. Find me on social media. Check the link in the show notes or search for me, Jay Schiffman, on YouTube and LinkedIn, and choose your struggle on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So let's talk a little bit about Peer Collective because I think the idea is, quite frankly, not revolutionary, but it is. Yeah. It is. So it's sort of like the idea is not revolutionary, but the actual application of the idea is incredibly revolutionary. So. Yeah. If if somebody goes to peercollective.com, tell us a little bit about what they're going to find and what sure. the services that you're literally offering. Sure. Okay. So, so you ask, you answer a couple questions about what's sort of about yourself. Basically it's like, um, uh, what are you dealing with? 
how motivated are you feeling to get support, um, that kind of stuff. But then you answer some questions about preferences in terms of who you'd like to talk to. Is there like gender, identities, age, like that kind of stuff um, in terms of the type of person that you feel like will be able to understand you? Uh, when you're done answering those questions, then you look, you can browse through profiles of people who, so, so um, all of the peer counselors on Peer Collective have gone through this assessment process that we developed. And what it does is it, it shows people kind of simulated, really challenging encounters uh, that they might face as a peer counselor. And they have to respond to each of these encounters and, um, and then they're rated in terms of all the specific behaviors and qualities that have been shown to drive outcome in mental health. So we only hire the top two to 3% of applicants. So to hire 50 people, you know, we're, we're kind of going through like more than a thousand or about a thousand applicants. Um, so everybody who's on the platform is someone who's been, who's shown themselves to be exceptional at their ability to connect with somebody coming from lots of different, you know, in lots of different situations. So you answer some questions, you look at the profiles, you read a little bit about people, it talks about their background, it talks about what are the tools that they use, and you can kind of get a sense of, of who you might connect with. And then about 85% of the people who come to Peer Collective will, you'll book a time, and about 85% of the people that come to Peer Collective book within two to three days. You know, there's a lot of people who are available today but almost everybody talks to somebody within two to three days. You choose you know, a half hour or an hour. And basically you have the choice to either set up a session where they call your mobile or where you kind of do it through Zoom um, if you want to do a video connection. So if I went on right now, it's like we're recording this on a Wednesday at noon. Um, I could sign up for Wednesday at 1230. Um, and I could actually be talking to somebody a half hour from now. Uh, and basically our peer counselors are trained to try to understand what is it that you're going through and what kind of support are you looking for? Because some people, they just want to be listened to, like they just want a space to vent. Some people want to specifically work on problem solving. Some people want resources and, and that kind of stuff. And, um, so our peer counselors are, are, are trained to be able to help people kind of understand, like, what are you looking for? What's going to be supportive for you? And, and to, to go from there. Once you talk to somebody, if you feel like it's a good match, you can come back and talk to them as much as you want. Uh, you can book with them again, you know, in another day or two or next week. If, uh, if you feel like it, you, if you're not sure if it was a good match, you can talk to as many different peer counselors as you want. Um, so we try to make it all in your hands in terms of that in terms of building that connection so that's kind of like what the experience is uh, experience of it is talk about because someone who, who you you are the sort of best person in position to answer this question but what is different between a session with a peer counselor a peer collective and a session with a therapist so a great therapist if you talk to a great therapist, they will connect with you as a human being. And there, there will be, you'll, you'll have a feeling of a real human to human connection. 
However, having worked in this field for a long time, a lot of the times when you work with a therapist, you feel a lot, it feels more like a clinical relationship. It feels more like they're diagnosing you and they're trying to sort of like, uh, it feels like they're trying to treat your problems in this, in like a kind of clinically removed way. Um, all of the research in mental health outcomes says that that, that approach is actually um, hurts outcomes, that therapists would be a lot better off to stop doing that, but they don't because they want to view their profession as something that's, that's, um, that's less personal and more academic. Um, so uh, again, there's a lot of therapists that really understand that where change comes from is the personal connection. And so there's plenty of people that have that. But what I can say is that every peer counselor and peer collective, what we talk about uh, peer counseling is it's a helping relationship based in shared experiences. So whatever shared experience you're looking for. And so it, it's, it's about the real human connection. And it's about trying to understand where you're coming from and empathize and kind of have someone there with you in whatever thing you're trying to face. Um, so I would say that that it's like, for some people they're like, it's way different than my experience with therapy. And for some people they're like, yeah, this is just like a therapist. And a, a lot of it has to do with what therapists did you talk to before? Cause they can be so different. So it's, it's a little bit less like going to the doctor, which some therapist yeah. appointments can definitely feel like and more like yeah. maybe going to hang out with that friend of yours who's also a good personal trainer and can yeah. be like, if you're in the mood today, happy to lead you through some some stuff. But yeah. if not, we can just hang out. Yeah, exactly. So what, what we like to try to say that it's like it's in between a therapist and a trusted friend and like trying to like frame it in that way. But like being honest, like if there are therapists that are listening to this, my guess, if there's therapists that listen to you, Jay, they're probably the type of people that understand the level, like that, that, that what they do is really about human connection. And so that's, that's how we approach it too. Um, if you're a, if you're a therapist that believes your job is to diagnose people and to sort of prescribe treatments, then it would be really different than working with you. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's, I guess my question to follow up with with that would be, do you think that therapy as a whole is moving more in that direction or do you think it's still stuck very much in a clinical relationship with clients? I think, I think, yeah, I, I think that the best therapists have always been more personal. And I think that the training that we get as a field is actually tries to discourage people. I think it's like, uh, it's, um, I think a lot of the training that we get in the therapy world is anti-scientific. It's like, it's, it actually encourages people to work in a way that is the opposite of what research says drives outcomes. And I think that's really unfortunate. Um, my hope is, no, I feel confident that Five or six years from now, projects like Peer Collective will drive change in the mental health field. And the reason that I'm not, um, so people like Bruce Wampole, a lot of a lot of like the high level researchers that are part of Peer Collective, people like Bruce Wampole and John Norcross, they've been trying to get 
the field of licensed therapy to be more humane, to be more human focused for the 40 years of their career. And like, you know, people who are, uh, we have people who, uh, who uh, are former uh, presidents of the APA psychotherapy division, and they weren't able to get the field to try to, to embrace this understanding. So my hope is that projects like Peer Collective that are happening outside of the field will be able to drive this change and the field's going to have to adapt because as people realize that for like, you know, for, you know, 25, $28 an hour, they can have on-demand connection in a way that feels incredibly helpful. Um, it's going to be like that, 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 that people are going to start to demand that. And they're going to start to demand that um, that what really helps them is being able to talk to somebody that they know they're going to be able to feel connected with. So I imagine that when you set out to start this, you had a kind of, I would assume, a mix of responses, right? Can you estimate what percentage of people were like, whoa, this is amazing, I'm, I'm on board, and what percentage were like, I don't, I can't even comprehend what you're talking about right now. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's interesting. What, what I've found is that a lot of people from the medical world have a really hard time under, like, uh, uh, understanding where we're coming from. If they don't have a background in mental health, but they have a background in medicine, they get, like, they're like the, the most confused. Um, I think anyone who is really well um, informed in mental health research is like 100% on board. Anybody who has had a really positive experience with a therapist or in the mental health world, they kind of get it um, just for, like relating it to their own experience. I think that... Um, the thing that I've been amazed at, like one, one of the big things that, that's happened is uh, a lot of people are like, well, therapists are going to hate you. And then what we find is every therapist that we talk to is like, this is so great. I want to refer people to this. I want like, th like this should, this should be part of the system. Um, and I've actually yet to meet. I, I've met quite a few doctors that are like, I, you know, I can't refer anybody to this until you have outcome uh, outcome research, which we're actually in the process of doing right now. We have a clinical trial that we're running through uh, UT Austin, but they're like, until you have clinical trial data, I would never refer anybody. It's too experimental. Every therapist that I've talked to has been like, this is a great idea. I, I'm, I'm fully in support of this. Um, but we've had so many people that are, that uh, when they hear about it, they're like, oh, you know, the, the mental health establishment is going to come after you and, and just hasn't been that way. So one of the things you told me about when we first started chatting, that I thought was so brilliant was that you essentially cap how many hours a person can be on the giving end, which is such a smart idea. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, th there's research in the, in, in mental health where, um, they'll track people's outcomes with, with clients from the time you start, like right in grad school 
until you're 20 years into your career. They've had these like longitudinal studies. And almost anybody, if I said, hey, um, who do you think is going to be better at helping people? Somebody who's like still in grad school or someone who's been in the field for 20 years? Almost everybody would assume like been for 20 years, right? Actually, no. Um, your, out, your, your level of efficacy basically stays the same throughout your entire career. If anything, it might go down slightly um, the longer you're in the career. My belief about what that is, I think that people are learning important things about how to do therapy and how to do counseling with people, but they are equally becoming less enthusiastic and shutting down and like sort of caring less about the individual relationships. And I think that that offsets everything that they're learning. So at Peer Collective, um, people can't work more than 12 to 15 hours a week. And if so if you sign up to be a, a peer collective peer counselor, and I just want to let everybody know that if you if you want to email and you say, can I be a peer, uh, peer counselor? Um, we're happy to, to, to look at you in an, in an application. But as I mentioned, 97% of people who are applying are getting a no. I just want to put that out there just because because um, we're still figuring out like how to what we can do with people who want to do this, but I just need to, to mention that. But if you come onto the, the platform and you become a peer counselor, um, if you've been doing like 12 or 15 hours, if you get to the point where you're getting about 12 or 15 hours a week, you can apply to increase your cap. And then we'll just look at the level of feedback that you're getting. We'll do it slowly. And if the level of feedback you're getting starts to dip at all, then we cut you back. Because I do not believe that it's possible to be fully present for 30 people over the course of a week in the same way that you could if it was just 10. And we're, but we're, we're experimenting with that. But I think that that's just sort of my, my assumption from watching the field for as long as I've been in it. Well, and again, so much of what you're doing, that just is common sense. You're right. I mean, you know, the, if I've done 10 interviews a week, that 10th that one, I'm like, yeah. all right, tell me your story. You know, like, I'm just not here. It's just hard. But, yeah. but, but, you know, if I've done three or four, like, I'm super into this. Like, this is amazing. So I, I understand that. I personally, I think hearing you talk, I would love to take this test. I think yeah. this test would be fascinating to take, to learn about myself and to learn who you're looking looking for because I think it's it's so common that we all think we're more empathetic and we think we're more caring and we think we're a better person in those moments than we are and I'm sure you get a lot of people who are like oh this is gonna be a breeze and then they just don't do that well because it sounds like you're really looking for the best of the best here so so you, what you what happens is you get seven different simulated encounters that are radically different. The first one is a woman who says, so you're being really nice to me, but you're paid to be nice. So it kind of feels phony. What do you say to that person? The, the next one is somebody who says, so I'm really Christian and I just really need to know, are you a Christian? And then there's somebody who's like, um, yeah, I use Coke at work. I think it's no big deal. Um, you know, my wife is bothering me about my drinking. She doesn't know about the Coke use, but I don't know why everybody has a problem with it. 
And so what do you say to that person? And then there's, and then the, the fourth one is someone who is like, um, I like, I have, there's no way that you can help me. What do you know about being indigenous? What do you know about being homeless? What do you know about being trans? What do you know about losing all of your friends? That how, how in the world could you ever help me? So there's all these, like, we, basically, it's like, what we want to see is, can you be open? Can you be there? Can you, act, can you be honest and authentic? And can you stay warm in the middle of these kinds of uh, interactions? And if you can do all seven, then you're somebody that I trust. You can handle whatever's going to come up on the platform. I'll tell you what, man, even just hearing those, I'm already yeah. like, wow, I don't think I could do that. The people you choose must be truly incredible. So thank you for, for doing that. Yeah. that. That leads me to my last question there. You've told us how people can get involved if they want to be on the receiving end, which sounds amazing. Yeah. You've told mm -hmm. us how people can be involved if they want to be on the giving end. But yeah. what if they just want to support what you're doing? What if they just believe in this? How can people help you? Yeah, I think it's like getting the word out there. I, th I think the, the more that we can just like let people know that this exists. We don't have, uh, you know, a million dollar marketing budget. We're like mainly relying on word of mouth. And so the more people, like what I would say is if, if you want to try the, like if, if you believe in this, I would say sign up and try it out so that you can speak from a place of experience. And then if it actually feels like what I'm saying, which I think it will, then tell people because there's a lot of people in the world that need help and they don't know where to go. And I just want people to know that this is an option that's there for them. Well, two things I took away from that. Number one, I'm going to do it. I'm going to sign up because uh, as you, as I was telling you, and when you and I were chatting, I've struggled. I literally do this for a living and I've struggled to find a therapist here in Philadelphia. Yeah. It's that hard. So I'm going to give this a try. And number two, Tim basically just told you to share this podcast interview everywhere when you're hearing this. So share yeah. it around. Definitely let people know. But before we go into the final questions, Tim, one more time, please shout out where people can find the collective as well as you online. Yeah. So you can, you can go to purecollective.com to find everything about Pure Collective. And then you can just Google Tim Desmond or you can go to timdesmond.net if you want to learn more about, if you want to like look at my books or look at um, talks. Fantastic. Well, we finish with the same two questions every time on this podcast. Number one, what uh, self-care habits work for you? Yeah, I, I think um, silence and solitude. It's really about having uh, time and space to, to listen, like to actually to listen to what feels the tension, stress, pain that's coming up in me. And then really focusing on bringing acceptance and compassion to myself. Like that's like, that's my, that's my core practice. That was a beautiful answer. Right, right. What I expected from you. That was, that was very on brand as, as we say, uh, yeah. the, the last one I was finished with is we've now spent the last 45 minutes hearing why you're incredible. We should all be following your work, but this is your chance to shout out some other people that you follow, whatever you're reading, listening to, watching, whatever you want. I, I think um, 
There are so many. Oh, so, so the 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 most help that I've gotten for my mental health is uh, learning from Thich Nhat Hanh about the practice of transforming suffering through mindfulness and compassion. And if you if you go online and you look for like Thich Nhat Hanh talks or Thich Nhat Hanh videos, um, just uh, he's uh, he had a stroke a few years ago. He's no longer talking. He's no longer doing new uh, new content. But reading his books, listening to his talks, that's been the thing that's been the the most helpful for me. I'm gonna check it out. Well, Tim, thank you so much. This was fantastic, and I, I'm, I'm serious. I'm gonna go sign up for for the Peer Collective right now. Well, great to connect with you, Jay. Hey, y'all. It's me, your host. I'm sorry to interrupt what I'm sure is a fantastic episode of the podcast, but I have to give a quick shout out to my partner, Roadrunner CBD. They have been working with me for a while now, and I just love their products. They have everything from tinctures to muscle gels, and all of them are fantastic. You know, I rub the muscle gel on my legs before I run, and they keep me feeling pretty good, which is saying something. So check out Roadrunner today at their website, www.roadrunnercbd.com slash ref, R-E-F slash C-Y-S. Again, that's roadrunnercbd.com slash ref slash C-Y-S. And use the code C-Y-S at checkout to let them know that I sent you and get 10% off. Trust me, you're going to love this. I've sent some of their products to a couple different people and they've all become repeat customers. So check it out today and don't forget to let them know that Choose Your Struggle sent you. Subscribe to my Patreon for behind the scenes looks at the podcast, sneak peeks, and bonus data. You'll also get a discount on Choose Your Struggle merch. Find it at patreon.com slash choose your struggle. All right, we've come to the end of another episode of the Choose Your Struggle podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this chat with Tim Desmond. Uh, I'll get this really quickly out of the way because this is your good egg for this week is just to check out Peer Collective. I am not going to say that you have to book something. I'm just going to say go check it out, whether you're interested in being someone who who helps others through them, whether you're interested in just sharing this uh, or or being someone who, who, who gets a little help from them. Like I said, I did it myself. Uh, I signed up. It took five minutes to sign up. Uh, I had my session four or five days later. Um, because I wasn't in a hurry. I could have had it that day if I really wanted to, uh, but I was looking for a time that fit my schedule and really, really wanted to scroll through and find someone that I thought would be like a perfect fit, and she was fantastic. So uh, definitely, definitely recommend checking it out. And the first one's free. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work, although I'd be surprised if it didn't work, uh, but, but there's really no downside. So check it out. That's your good egg. Uh, here's your card. Um, we're using the Just One Thing card pack um, from Rick Hansen, 52 Practices for More Happiness, Love, and Wisdom. I, I'm, I'm messing around with the cards as we speak, and I've completely, uh, you know, half of them are facing one way, half are facing the other. That's fine. Uh, Going to pull this one off the top, and it says, 
Relax, you've arrived. Feel like you're constantly running on a treadmill of life, going after the next career opportunity, opportunity, hustling to save up enough money for retirement, raising your children correctly, climbing up one mountain after the next. But guess what? You've already arrived. When you feel like your head is spinning over the next item on your to-do list, the next goal you need to accomplish, remember, you've already made it this far. Think about all the hurdles you've overcome to get where you are at this moment. You have a right to feel good about what you have what you have dealt with. To deepen the sense of arrival, help yourself relax into this moment. From time to time, you could softly say in your mind, I'm arriving, I'm arriving, I'm arriving. Now, notice how your body and mind calms because you have arrived. Uh, that's a <laughs> interesting card, but I love the idea, which is uh, something that I actually uh, talk about a lot with a person you all know and love on this show. That's Alex Kaplan of, of Substance. Uh, when he and I first met about a year ago, um, you know, the, the, what was going on with their work was, was you know, really kind of topsy-turvy. And, and not long ago, he and I were chatting and he was stressed out about something. Oh, you know, this didn't happen and what, blah, blah, blah. And I let him talk because he, it's not wrong. It's not It's not like he was incorrect that those things were stressful and that, you know, it was unfortunate. And then once he was done, I said, all right, just to put all that in context, remember where you were, remember where we both were when we first met a year ago. And it was such a needed <laughs> – it's something that I, I, I don't practice as well as I preach of, of doing that for myself. But you need that person externally to be like, all right, let me quickly remind you how far you've come in this period, right? And that's so helpful. And, and, and it really helps put things into perspective. So I love that card. Remember how far you've come and not just looking at the next thing because that is incredibly important. But as always, number one most important thing, be vulnerable Show your empathy, spread your love, and choose your struggle.